Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. As the name says, we're business creators. We have entrepreneurs, small business owners, local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches, consultants, and mentors. We have the folks who help others create their businesses and the do-it-yourselfers who like to have their own hands on the levers as they market and grow. If you are one or more of the above, and in fact, many of the people who tune in every week are all of the above, please take a moment, explore episodes, discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing. The website is www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com if you're listening to this from iTunes. And while you're on iTunes, make sure to subscribe. Fresh content every single week. Nearly 200 episodes on a variety of topics geared toward business creators just like you. When you like what you hear, leave us a five-star rating. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us help more business creators just like you. And because it's my show, um, I get to say this. Uh, I tweak that opening pretty much every single week, and that might be one of the best versions of it I've done so far. I might want to transcribe this one. But anyway, uh, getting back to business, uh, let's dive into today's topic, which is something that is very much in demand. We've covered this topic before uh, from other experts, and I love getting different perspectives on it. And what's especially valuable about this topic to me, I'll just put it out there, is in my upcoming book, we have a lot of material on this topic, which has to do with making your team exceptional or building an exceptional team. So the title of today's interview is Forget Good to Great, Make Your Team Exceptional. And to help us with that, we have on board Tara Winston. Let me tell you a little bit about Tara. She's a leadership consultant and an executive coach who has 20 years of business consulting experience and an MBA from Stanford. She's an entrepreneur in her own right and is the ringleader of Interactions, I-N-T-E-R-R-A-C-T-I-O-N-S. I love that. And, oh, here, here comes another great one. She's the principal of Interact Consulting, I-N-T-E-R-R-A-C-T Consulting. I love this. It's brilliant. Her clients have included Google, PepsiCo, Fannie Mae, BP, Miller's, Coors, and the Dallas Cowboys. I see more than one beer in there, it sounds like. It sounds good. Tara's driven results in boardrooms, platforms, Fortune 500s, and small startups. So she has run the gamut. And today, Tara joins us here at the Business Creators Radio Show. Welcome aboard. Thank you, Adam. So glad to be here. Well, uh, I can tell you this is going to be a very interesting interview. <laughs> See, I can do it too. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What, yeah when, you, when you created that brand, that was absolutely brilliant. Um, before we dive into the topic, uh, what we like to do is, for those of our listeners who are just now getting to know you, uh, let's take a moment, take a step back. I mean, I read off the official bio, but what we'd like to do is get a little bit more into your story and elements of your personal journey that have brought you to where you are today at the intersection of your brilliance and passion serving business creators. So if you could just tell us a little bit more from that aspect, uh, what was the road you traveled to get here? Definitely. And, you know, my story is one of transformation. Um, and I think very much in line with kind of the way people discover kind of what it is that they love and how they make it, make it into something that's profitable. 
So uh, I am a reformed engineer. Uh, started off uh, in school as an engineer, but <laughs> you know, and then moved into management consulting. And I began to realize that I could care less why things work, right? Which is the core of engineering, quite frankly. But I, I was absolutely fascinated about why and how people worked, how they work together. But I just thought that it was a hobby. Oh yeah, yeah, that's something that I'm, I'm interested in. But let me get a let me focus on getting a real career, a real job. So then I went to business school to kind of broaden from a business perspective, and thought I was going to be a marketer and had you know a great time learning, interning, all that. And and I still didn't love it the way I love the people stuff. And so I, you know, that that'll shake you to your core because again, I was like, oh, I'll get a real job. So I finally accepted that maybe this was where my heart lied. And so I ended up um, going back into consulting, focusing on human capital, focusing on how people operate in organizations and how to make them their most effective. And then transitioned um, into PepsiCo to do it to to do it full time because, as most people from a consulting background will know. Doing it on the outside and having to live with it on the inside is a little bit different. And so I got to get both perspectives. And, and as we start to talk about how, how to manage teams, it comes from the fact that I had those two balanced um, experiences. But there, there came a point when, you know, having, having gotten to be a director in, in human resources, I, I, I did what we all do is, okay, let me map out my career and where I want to go next. And I had the scariest serious thought, I didn't want anyone else's job. I I wanted the office and the title and, and, and the stock options. Oh, yeah, I was in on that. <laughs> but the actual right. work that they did, that, that wasn't, I wasn't excited about that. And so I had to sit back and say, well, what, if you're going to put in the time, the energy, you know, an entire lifetime of effort, shouldn't it be something that you actually want to do the work of, too? And that's what led me to, to kind of step back and say, what are the, the, the elements of the work that I wanted to do, the things that got me excited? Um, and where did that lie? And, I, and the more I, I kind of stepped back into it, I was like, apparently, that, I think that's in a business. I think it's my own business. I, I was not one of those people that kind of from day one were like, well, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. No, I kind right. of got, you know, stepped back into it to do this the way that I want to and to have the life that I want to entrepreneurship was my answer and so you know that was nine years ago you know uh after i got out of college i tried the whole uh get a job route because i and this was 1999, 2000, and I still thought there was a gold watch in a shack in Fort Lauderdale, but those things don't <laughs> exist, and, you know, that doesn't really quite interest me either because, uh, I mean, you look at all the trajectories in my life. The idea of the, uh, the three-bedroom, one-and-a-half baths uh, with the white picket fence and the mm-hmm. 1.8 kids or what have you, that, none of that has ever worked out for me. Uh, and when I've gotten close to it, I've actually been more repelled by it by exciting than excited by it. Uh, I was not wired for nine to five. I was not, uh, you know, set up to serve somebody else's agenda. And if, you know, if this makes me uh, unemployable, then stamp that bad boy on my forehead backwards so I can see it in the mirror every morning. Some people are just not designed for this. And not only do I not make any apologies for it, um, I look back to, when I did work for other companies, the opportunity they, they missed having right in front of them. 
uh, from failing to recognize that it's your quote-unquote troublemakers, your disruptors, mm -hmm. the ones who don't just keep their head down and do their job. Those are the ones that are actually not only some of the most valuable to your company, but really they're some of the easiest to manage because just by the fact <laughs> that they don't fall in line, that they if you try and tell them they need to keep their head down, they're going to be the ones to say, no, I keep my head up. The fact yeah. that they bring that passion into your workplace is something. Yeah. Grab it. Harness it. It's Make huge. something up. Uh, all, you have to, all you have to do is get them in line with what you're trying to accomplish and turn them loose. And they will <laughs> achieve so much for you. It's, I mean, the, the passion and the energy are there. And if they're rocking the boat a bit, it's maybe because – they're thinking the navigation's a little bit off, and uh, and uh, they have some ideas for how we could steer this thing, maybe get us to the destination a little bit faster, a little bit of a smoother ride, maybe get a little more payload on the cargo. I mean, there's a lot of things that companies miss out on, and uh, for the extent to which uh, organizations have missed out on uh, that energy from me and from a lot of our loyal business creators, I just say, nah, 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 you're lost. So, uh, <laughs> so Hey, we, we have fun here, and some of our avid listeners know that uh, I get real personal about some of uh, what some might say are not always finest hour, and uh, mm -hmm. they think that some people would be walking around saying, oh, I hope they don't call their friend at my previous company and find out that that happened, and here I am saying, here, I'll just tell you about it, yeah, whatever, <laughs> please, but, please find out know, about it, I want to know. <laughs> But Adam, I mean that that that's huge, and that's that you know that is part of what makes you an important leader for for this network and your community, and and that's part of what makes a great team is to have a leader that is open and willing to be vulnerable, right? So when we talk yeah. about having an exceptional team, the, you know this is, is table stakes, right? Having a leader that's willing to say when I made mistakes and what I learned from them, that's willing to listen to these voices. So it's right in line with with not only how do you become a great entrepreneur, but also how do you build a great, great team behind you for your vision. Right, right. And thank you very much for those, uh, for those fine words. You know, just before we dive into the topic, and I've, and I've phrased it this way by design because it transitions nicely into where we're going. Uh, I just wanted to point out that when you have a startup or when you have a, a business you're creating, the, the kind of folks that you're going to attract to your model, at least in my 14 years of experience, you're going to have a few different types, and some folks may be one or more of the above. You're going to have your startup-minded folks who themselves are maybe one step away from having their own business, so they're looking to work with a great startup or a great entrepreneurial venture that's going to allow them to really spread their wings and develop themselves in such a way to make that next step. So they already know they're going to stick around with you for three years, and then they're flying regardless. That's good, uh, mm -hmm. because not only are you going to create new allies in the marketplace when they create other companies that you can do business with, but just knowing that your company is an incubation of, incubator of business leaders is going to add to your cachet over time. Then you also notice that those types of ventures tend to attract contractors, and part-time people, not employees. Uh, these are people who, by definition, are not going to have necessarily the same buy-in to your company. The reason being is quite simply, they have their own company, and they come first, which is as it should be. 
So uh, what I tell people is uh, never strive, if you're the client, to be somebody's only client. Strive to be their favorite client. Strive to be their best client. If you are the person who has clients, don't look for the one golden goose or the whale. Find four or five whales that you just really enjoy and love working with. And you will have mm-hmm. a life and a business that you will not have to spend every single day looking for new clients because you're just going to love what you do and you're going to have the stability. So let's get into uh, forgetting this good to great and making your team exceptional. Well, let's start with that. Why are we forgetting good to great? We've all read good to great. <laughs> and, and, and it's a great book. And if you have not read it, please go ahead and read this. Put a pause on this podcast, read it, and then come back. Um but I think that so much of development is about kind of okay. Let's get, get let's get people operating and have them operating great. But but I don't know if you looked out your window, but the world is moving so fast. You know, when you are looking in the face of businesses that are changing, clients that are changing. I don't care if if you are someone that sells to individuals or if you sell to to big companies. Everything is moving so fast. You actually need exceptional people on your team because if you're the only exceptional person in your business, then then you're working too hard, right? We need all the best ideas. And, and so if you're okay with just having great people, that's fine. What could you do if they were exceptional? And the types of things that you as a leader do and the way that you create the culture and all those types of things, if you're going to put the energy into it anyway, why not make it exceptional? Yeah, I love I love that. And, and again, I love the book Good to Great, and I know that there's always another angle on something and another way of looking at things. And what I like to say is we all come to what we do in our business and our lives with our own truth. I love to challenge people by saying, you want the truth? There's no such thing as the truth. Because truth, like beauty, is in the eye of the beholder. And we all view the world through our own unique set of experiences beliefs, and things that have gone before us that are unique to us that nobody else has ever encountered. So you and I could potentially look at the same set of facts, come to completely different and even opposite conclusions, and both of us could pass a lie detector with flying colors. There have been many examples of this, simply because Mm -hmm. of the power of perception and how that is unique to the individual. And that's very important when we think about teams and – What I'd like to do here now is look at what are some of the things that we see leaders doing that cause their teams to fall, I don't know if I want to say fall short of being exceptional or find Mm -hmm. themselves either not wanting or energized to take that step to exceptionality or feeling that they can't or it's not even worth it. Got it. Yeah, you know, and I would, Let's start by saying we're not talking about the Mr. Burns of this world for for Simpsons fans. Usually it's very well-intentioned managers that that are doing the best they can. They're moving really fast, um, and they're doing things that just kind of hinder the the team, not not from doing their jobs, but from giving you that extra amount of discretionary energy. And that's that's that good good cream off the top, and that's what we we end up losing, right? So the, the first thing is being scared of feedback 
and you know, you know, it's one thing. Feedback is is a gift, and you know, I love whoever invented that that statement. But most of us really don't like get, getting or giving feedback, and I don't care who you are. No one wants to hear right. that, that that there's there's challenges. But the the honest answer is that there's not a two way an ability to have two way conversation in the moment, and that that is. The things that are that are going great and the things that that are a challenge. You know, I I've actually worked with with executives that have said to me, "Well, I don't I don't compliment everything that people do because then they won't work as hard for me." And the opposite ends what? up being true. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I wish <laughs> I am not making this up. I wish I could say I was making this up. This person is self-promoting praise. <laughs> I wish I could say that too. I uh, remind me after you finish that I have a I have a comment on that. Let's bu- let's bookmark it yeah. on. You know, but but this person believed that by withholding praise and the people would lean in a little bit more. If they if they never knew that he was happy, they would then give a little extra. But what actually was happening is that because they did not know where right was, then they actually pulled back less. They were less autonomous. They asked permission all the daggone time. They were less creative because they all were trying to read the tea leaves of his mood. And he wasted a tremendous amount of energy and potential. Right? So bookmark. Okay. Um, On the whole thing of we don't always praise you because uh, we think that will demotivate you. I remember Mm -hmm. um, when I was in a corporate setting many, many, many years ago, and uh, they did um, they did this big uh, recognition luncheon for our entire department, and the CEO stopped by, and you know to say a few words, and uh, he said a few too many words. So you know he <laughs> says the usual you know great job, uh, you know gave a few specific examples of how the work that our department did um, had directly helped the company move along. You know the kind of feedback that you like to hear from a CEO because you like that little attaboy every once in a while, you know, they come out from the corner office and they actually explain to you why what you do is so important. It gives you something to hold mm-hmm. on to. It gives you something to look forward to. And then for reasons that I've been spending 14 years trying to figure out, he says, <laughs> he says, and guys, you may notice that sometimes when you see me and the other senior executives, we walk by the hall and we don't say hi to you. It's not because we don't care. It's just because we're too busy. <gasps> No, I'm thinking, and you you could just you could just look around the room and notice <laughs> everybody's heads tilt downward, and the energy just dissipates. Like I mean, I mean, you could almost see wow. the enthusiasm in the room evaporate like fog um, as the morning clears and goes into noon, and it was just quiet after that. Uh, the guy didn't have much more to say beyond that. I think he even since he kind of blew it big time. To me, to me, uh, if somebody gives you, a, you know, somebody, uh, you know, acknowledges you in the hallway and they work for you, you might not have time to say, yeah, hey Tara, how you doing? How's life? How's the kids? Uh, got everything you need at work or something like that? You don't always have time for that. But a simple nod or a or a hey mm-hmm. is enough. <laughs> wow! Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I, I, mean how, I mean, how hard it is to give somebody just a very subtle nod, or even a, or even a grunt to acknowledge you, or you, do you, do you witness them in your presence, so that they feel, oh yeah, they notice me. Wow! Oh, oh. It's, 
these um, little things, <laughs> these little things that we see sometimes. That uh, please don't mm-hmm. bring this to your organization, especially if you're a small organization or a medium-sized organization like that was, uh, where you know you're within few enough degrees of separation from the corner office that everybody really should know each other. I mean, even if you don't know each other by name. I mean, come on. That's, that's an egregious example. In fact, it's almost a little bit off topic, but, you know, it's something that we definitely need to, to point out. So we see these – No, I'm sorry. It comes up enough that, that we have to say yeah. it, right? right. And, and I think it, it, it comes from a place of people trying to, to you know, again, have, having good intentions, but it just it, it backfires spectacularly. Yeah, right. I, I think you know, I think trying to do is I think he was a a highly introverted individual and he was trying to get himself a pass from having to expend social energy. Believe me, um, mm-hmm. as an introvert myself, I get it. But still, being as highly introverted as I am, I can manage a nod. Mhm. And well, exactly. And so, no, I I would say another thing that you see. Um, leaders kind of having missteps on, again, well-intentioned, is around them feeling that they have to be the smartest person in the room at all times. Right. And that particularly for, for anyone who is a, that is a founder, like this thing, this dream came from your head and you built it with your own two hands, and then you start welcoming other people into your dream to kind of help nurse and raise this baby. And so from day one, you have all these ideas about how it's supposed to work and how things um, have been. And then you get these other people yeah. who have the nerve to have other ideas. Oh, now, no. We, <laughs> how dare you, right? And, and we hired you. I specifically looked at your resume. I did a, I, you know, I interviewed probably a bunch of people, and I said, I'm going to choose the best person. And then I have decided that, of the best people, I am still the one who knows the most about this topic that is theirs. Um, so they come to us with all these great ideas, and we go, that's not how I would do it. Do it this way. Um, right. And then they fight for a little while, and then they give up or they leave. And either one, you, my dear founder, have gotten the worst of it because you missed out on these great ideas and their experience that, oh, by the way, you're paying for. That's right. You are pay- paying for it uh, financially, monetarily, in time, and energy, and goodwill, and momentum mm-hmm. for the business. You are paying in many, many, many different ways. And, uh, and this, you know, this leads me to think of the topic of bottlenecking. We see this particularly mm-hmm. in startups is you have the founder or you have the, the, the business leader who uh, – won't let anything go out without their approval. Now, sometimes you're dealing with a level of information or a level of, uh, of whatever that requires a review process. And in some cases, that's good. But what you see mm-hmm. happen, unfortunately, way too often is that quickly turns into a bottleneck. And let me just uh, tell you, you know, my vision of it, and, I, and then I want to get the, some thoughts on, from you on how to break this is mm-hmm. you see yeah, everything bottlenecks with the business leader, but they themselves, in addition to leading the business, have set themselves up so they have to approve every little thing. 
Now, everybody has the same 24 hours, but uh, if you have 24 hours worth of work to do in that 24 hours, you just ain't going to get it done. So the person becomes Mm -hmm. the bottleneck, and then the business leader starts to ask people to do more stuff. And maybe some of this other stuff is actually urgent or important, but people just find themselves not being inspired to do it because, as they see it, they've already put seven different items into the bottleneck that are just sitting there. Why are they going to add more? It's like they don't, they don't care how much they, you know, the business leader screams that this is urgent or has to be done. It's like, well, so did five of these other things, and I don't see them going anywhere. I mean, we get tired of feeding bottlenecks, and when we build and create things, and don't get to see them tested in the market or tested in the business environment in real time, we get very quickly disincentivized because in the end, as creators, we want to see our ideas, we want to see our concepts put to the test. We want to, see, we mm-hmm. want to get our wins, and we want to actually see how they perform so that we can make them better. So bottlenecking, uh, your thoughts on how to break it? Well, so and even before I get to how to break it, one of the really sweet, painful ironies is that when you're in that bottlenecking situation, the employees that really care and are engaged the most in your business are the ones that are most frustrated. And the ones yeah. that, that won't, won't complain are the people that are just punching in the clock, right? So, you right. know, you, <laughs> you, will cre- you will actually kind of create a, dis- uh, a, a opposite incentive for the types of employees and the way you want people to, to think about your business, right? So you know, one, one yeah. more kind of watch out about, about the bottleneck. So, so there really are only two solutions for a bottleneck. Solution number one is the reason that you don't trust is that you have not invested in the right quality of people. If, if the right. people you have can't, make decisions autonomously or you can't trust that they're going to deliver, then you need then you probably have been a little bit cheap on, on your, your staff budget. And and again we're all managing budgets and this happens a lot. People are like, okay, I'm gonna get you know, I'll I'll get some bodies. But the quality needs to be there or else you can't you can't throw it over right. your shoulder. So that's the first thing. Hire better so that you can do that. Um the other part of it though is what what we, we live in is this fear. If this goes out, then there'll be a mistake, and if it's a mistake, then it's going to affect my reputation. And then ultimately, at the end of this this chain of fear factors that you've now tossed yourself into is I will be homeless on the street with my family, right? (laughs) Like this is all the results. Right. The honest answer is that chances are the, the, the line between this being perfect and this being acceptable is really you know, from from your client perspective, on the on the back end perspective, almost imperceptible half the time. Now, will mistakes get made? Yes, mistakes will get made sometimes. But then you build in processes and systems to manage that those things that are more consistent, so that you can trust. But to you know, what you need to start with is experiment, right? Go through the types of things that are that are bottlenecked, and and say what what is the first step I can take to just letting it go. Now, right. the key with it, though, is it's still not going to be done exactly the way you want it to. It won't be. It w- right. They won't use the same language. They may choose a different picture, whatever that thing is. Yeah. But it will be done, and it will pass, and it will be okay. Um, oftentimes, the thing that's really interesting is there is the, the built into that fear is that we we will not be able to recover if a mistake is made. But 
my dear founder, my dear startup leader, my CEO, I guarantee you've made mistakes. And you and you somehow oh, believe yeah. that you can bounce back from your own mistakes, but you can't bounce back from mistakes made by somebody else. You can. Yeah, sure you can. Sure you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, and uh, these are all these are all really great things for us to consider when we look at this. And uh, you raise a very good point that goes back earlier to the when we were talking about the definition of what makes somebody quote unquote unemployable. And some of the mm-hmm. things that you want to do to encourage the unemployables in your own organization, in your own team, you kind of hit the nail on the head. The people who are the quote-unquote great employees, you know, the ones that uh, have the perfect posture at their cubicle, that take exactly <laughs> 30 minutes for lunch and 15 minutes for breaks, the, one, the ones who always answer their phone on the third ring if they're there mm-hmm. and whose voicemails are properly configured to say, hi, my name is Martha Moneymaker, and I'm either on the phone or away from my desk. God, I hate that. God. Anytime <laughs> somebody says I'm either on the phone or away from my desk, I say, really? Really? Are you sure? Shocking. Shocking. I, yeah, like, wow, I had no freaking idea seeing I'm in your voicemail. <laughs> and, then, and then those messages go on to say, and uh, please leave your name and number, and I'll be sure to get back to you as quickly as possible. Now, the advice I give people is to say, mm-hmm. um, you, know, uh, you know, please, you know, please leave a message with your name and telephone number, even if you think I have it, or you can email me at adamh@helpmywebsitesell.com. I look forward to hearing from you. You see what I did yeah. there? Yes, nice. I, I took I took a lot of pressure off took a lot of pressure off not only the person leaving a voicemail or you know saying I'll just email that instead and the person receiving it because maybe it doesn't call for any response at all so now we're just wasting even more time on phone calls and emails and things like that um, mm-hmm. or maybe there's a different manner in which it should be handled so we take the onus off having to, you know, measure people by, well, what percentage of phone calls do they return? I mean, I, I had a, I had a supervisor once, and God love the guy. I, I think of him to this day as one of my mentors. And some of the things that he taught me about business and life are things that I pay forward to others because he was brilliant about it. But he told mm-hmm. me once that uh, that he had been doing an analysis of all the times that he called in to speak with me because he was on the road all the time. Uh, and mm-hmm. he said that I only answered the phone 33% of the time. Well, first of all, he claimed that he was tracking spreadsheets, and I knew from working with this guy closely every day, this is a guy who barely knew how to put a floppy disk in a computer. So uh, I'm pretty sure he was running a damn spreadsheet, number one. So I just kind of nodded at that one, trying not to bust out laughing. Second, um, this was a long time ago, but we did have caller ID, and any time that uh, I was away from my desk, I uh, would flip through the ID just to see if somebody called and didn't leave a voicemail. That's number two. Mm -hmm. And number three, even back then, 15 years ago, uh, the average for a phone being answered live, either business or residential, was around 10 to 15%. So uh, I did a little pattern interrupt with the guy, and I said, 33%, huh? Oh, so I'm three times the average. Let's talk about my raise. <laughs> I am very <laughs> responsive to you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, it, and it's, right. it's so true, right? Like you, like, like, <laughs> like. What you call her, um, Martha Moneymaker? 
Like the, the those types of people, thank you know, thank God there there are consistency in organizations, but yeah. the people, the, the unemployables, those are the ones that that bring life and bring ideas. Yeah. And if you can if you can harness that energy, but it but it requires. And you know, I think the the next big thing that I would say for someone who wants to create. A, you know, a team that's exceptional is that you have that team has to be inclusive of different styles, and that that is inclusion in every format. So, you know, Adam's an introvert, and, and will naturally build a place and a, a company that is very comfortable for introverts. Well, you know what? Yeah. Some of these great people are going to be extroverts, and you've got and you're going to need to build in or just you know be able to accommodate and tolerate their extrovertness. And some people are going to be morning people, and some people are going to be evening people, and some, you know, and you know, yeah. some people are going to want to have happy hours, and some people are not. And so, being okay right. with all of this coming versus that there is this one way to be gives you access to all of the energy that these people have. So, one, yeah. what we very rarely think of is that. When, when I am in an organization or, or in a community of some sort, all the ways that feel comfortable to me is it's almost like I'm, I'm greased lightning. I'm, I'm, you know, everything's smooth and, and easy. All the ways that I feel different that I have to accommodate because it, it because it requires me to think twice because it's not my natural way. Those are all little bumps in the road, and you know and it dissipates my energy. So I can walk in on 100%, but if I'm extroverted and you and, and everybody just kind of puts their heads down and doesn't say good morning, and, I'm, and I happen to be someone that I'm an early riser and I like to work in the morning, but people work late at night, like all the ways that I have to flex in order to feel like yeah. I fit in, that is, that is energy that you are wasting. That is money that you are burning off the top of my value that I bring to your organization. Yeah. Now yeah, that's, that's you can't, you, right? You can't, you can't yeah. have a, a, you know, everything goes like there's got to be, you know, some some constraints, and, and all of us, all of us come with, with some amount of flexibility because just you know, if we brought all our, if we brought all of ourselves the way we are by ourselves, we would all be terrible human beings. No one wants all of that, um, so we all flex a bit, but just to make sure that you're building an environment that that lots of people can feel like they can contribute and win, you will get more value out of every moment that those people are there with you. Yeah, that, 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 that's true. And, uh, you know, we talk about introversion and extroversion. We touched on this in the green room a little bit, too. Uh, it's not a matter of the extrovert being obnoxious and the introvert being shy needing to come out of their shell. Introversion and extroversion, if I can boil this down into one sentence that oversimplifies a bit but still makes the point, has to do with mm -hmm. how we expend and gain energy from social situations. The extrovert is that charismatic politician that can wade into the crowd and shake hands for hours and then feel themselves energized and write an entire plan for uh, revising our tax code because they're so excited by the human interaction. <laughs> The introvert, is, the introvert is the person who makes sure that their entrance is to and from the back of the stage, and they don't actually have to, like, go and, like, speak with those people afterwards. Not because they don't like them, but because, <laughs> like, their, their meter's going to go way down. I have a really good friend who's, a, who's a, a performing musician, and he does concerts and such. 
and uh, he himself has a very introverted personality. Uh, he didn't believe it when I explained this to him at first, but it made sense when I said, no, no, you're very introverted. He was trying to give him me, oh, no, I'm extroverted, I'm outgoing. It's like, really? And I identified <laughs> a number of his observed behaviors, and he embraced it afterwards. Uh, one of the things I mentioned to him was he could get up on stage and do three, even four sets and feel like he was on top of the world. However, when his performing contract called for him to sign autographs or do meet and greets or things like that, mm -hmm. um, he would identify down to the minute exactly how long he had to be there. And let's say, um, let's say part of the deal was a 30-minute eat and greet. At minute 29, mm -hmm. he would be surrounded by his handlers and his bodyguard, and they'd be dragging <laughs> him out of there. It was by his arrangement to make sure that he didn't have to be having his social energy sucked out of him one second longer than absolutely necessary because otherwise it could wear him out to the point where he'd collapse. And that is a real thing with introversion. And when we talk about team building, we have to recognize that just because somebody's sitting there quietly doesn't mean they're not contributing. Like, uh, okay, we have about 25 minutes left here, give or take. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've, We've laid some groundwork here. We've talked about the unemployables. We've talked about the way we do a little bit about communication loops, introversion and extroversion. I'm going to give you a word, and I'm going to just let you tackle it however you want. And anything that you leave on the table, I'll pick up. But I think okay. this is so key to team building. You ready for this? Yes, please. I'm, str str I'm struggling to say it myself. M m meetings. Oh, 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 sorry. I had a reaction. Yeah, okay, go ahead. <laughs> so meetings are one of the most powerful and one of the most time-sucking institutions ever built into into business. Um, and I would say business, nonprofits, anytime when people people come together for a common purpose, meetings are usually the first step, and it is where things misfire all the time. Um, right. Meetings, like they're they're important. Like you need to have a meeting when you need multiple people to come to a decision. But we've become more and more where meetings um, are are used for theater. They're they're used for politics. They're used for all all these things that they were not designed to be. Um, and right. So many so many organizations I actually see the meetings are a way for for no one to feel responsible for the ultimate decision that was made. Right. So now you can say the whole committee got together, we talked about it, we laid around it, um, and the number of meetings where you kind of go in with the same, <laughs> come in with an issue, have a lovely self you know self congratulatory debate about said issue and then leave with no decisions and no forward motion. It is a, there's such a waste of time. Um, and I think that, you know, meetings, there are entire companies that are trying to solve the solution of meetings. And, um, and there's everything from the stand-up touch-based meeting <laughs> that some yeah. that companies are having where, where no, one can, no one can sit down for those, those meetings. There, there are other ones that go through lots of structure and 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 agendas and and all that good stuff. Uh -huh. But I think at at its core, the 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 number one question is, what am I trying to accomplish? Who needs to be involved in in accomplishing that? And who owns the decision? And if you can't answer those basic things, then 
You don't need another meeting. You need more work, right? Or you need more backbone. One of those two needs to happen. Um, but but meetings are the bane of all existence. And I would say also, you know, meetings are uh, often are a, a very public face of the culture of a company, right? So if everyone comes in and nods and, and, and then goes out later and says, well, I didn't really believe in that, right? That tells you a lot about the passive-aggressive nature of, of a company. Like if, if you come in and everyone just listens to you talk because you're the leader, then you've built a hierarchy in a way that you might as well have just made the decision yourself. And so, you know, I often can go into a, a meeting and, and start to sniff out all the parts of the culture that are doing a disservice. Um, for for yeah. a team becoming exceptional. Yeah, um, a few of my own experiences is uh, let me let me give you one example. I was mm -hmm. a member of a board of directors of an organization for a number of years, and the board had its monthly board meeting, and uh, there were supposed to be ninety minute meetings, and uh, I don't think one of them was less than two hours. These were <laughs> tedious because what would happen is everybody would go around the table and they would give these long, winding reports, and you'd always have that one person that had to respond to everything just so that uh, their voice could be heard <laughs> as being contributory to it. Uh, now, I became president of this organization, um, and, and this, and this is another case, and this is another case where I'm going to be a little bit blunt here, uh, and mm -hmm. you'll probably laugh, and most of our listeners, if they're the right listeners, will laugh as well. I came up with this idea where instead of us reading reports, what we're going to do instead is we are going mm -hmm. to submit our reports in advance of the meeting. Now, this doesn't have to be on a fancy template with letterhead, you know, and, and, and AP style <laughs> writing or anything like that. It can, be a, it can be a few bullet points. And here's what we want to know. We want to know what you're doing, uh, what uh, you need help with, and what are your ideas for moving the organization forward. Put those three things, th these three things down. Submit to the entire board by, by group email, uh, no less than – 72 hours beforehand, come to the meeting having read them, and I would make sure that there were printed copies for everybody in case they needed to scan them. And uh, mm -hmm. we will go around the table, and we're not going to be leading with reading off what's on the paper. We're going to be leading with getting answers to the questions you asked in your report or people's reactions to your report or what support you need. And if, you're, and if your ideas for the organization are discussion items, then we'll discuss those. We're not going to be listening to you read your report. Well, there were seven people on the board. Four of them took me seriously. So we did. We came to the meeting. We did the first four reports, and I said, guys, great meeting. And the other people said, mm -hmm. wait a minute, what about us? Said, oh, you, know, <laughs> you didn't submit a report, so I guess you didn't have anything to say. <laughs> well, two, 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 two things happened. I found out a couple of days later that uh, those, the couple of those people were now um, telling everybody who, who would listen uh, that, uh, that I was an evil person. They were referring to me as Il Duce. That got back to me. And, um, oh, wow. And I, and, uh, and, when I, and, I, and I got one of them, and I got one of them right to their face, and I said, you know, with humor, uh, I, said, I said, yeah, Mussolini made the trains run on time, and I'm going to get us out of these meetings on time. Uh, the least you can do is submit your report, please. <laughs> Well, when it made clear that uh, when it made clear that I thought their little insult was actually funny, and I was just going to turn it around on them, uh, they got the mm -hmm. message pretty quick that they were going to be submitting those reports. Funny thing happened, Tara. The people who had thought that the reports didn't matter 
turned out mm -hmm. to be the one that uh, really, really bought into the whole thing. I mean, it would be to the point where they would submit to me draft of their reports to review before they submitted them to the whole board <laughs> just to make oh, sure wow. that I improved them. So, uh, so just by me, so just by me taking a, you know, a humorous but firm line when they tried to when they tried to get me to back down by calling me a mean name, uh, I just said, "Look, this is how it's going to be," and uh, and I think we got a good bit of stuff done. Now, after my term as president was up and a new president came in, I was still on the board, and uh, I mm -hmm. think people were thinking that they weren't going to have to do these reports anymore and it was going to go back to being a talk fest. So um, I saw a murmur of frustration, but I thought I gave it a little nod when the next president said, and guys, remember your reports. Mm, nice. I think of the 10 meetings we had, we got, we got six of them done on time, three of them out early and one, we had to stay an extra 10 minutes because we were in the middle of something that was too important to postpone. Uh, but they weren't talk fest. Uh, so just that, sometimes it's those little changes you make uh, that can make meetings so much more effective uh, when people feel like they contribute. So when, I, so when I find myself in a meeting where people are just rambling, you know, Tara, sort of like I'm rambling right now, uh, <laughs> uh, I just kind of sit there and then somebody will say, well, but, 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 you know, I, I noticed you were very quiet tonight. And I said, well, there was nothing I needed to contribute. I understood everything. It wasn't a matter of me feeling disengaged. Yeah, I mean, I was disengaged by the meeting format. Mm -hmm. But as far as being disengaged from the organization, not at all. I just didn't have anything to respond when I was listening to the same person give the same long-winded report they've been giving for six months now. Well, and, and Adam, that's why that's why culture is so important, right? So imagine that you were an employee working for a leader who had created this culture where if you didn't speak up, then you must not be excited about what we're doing, which is different right. from I have nothing to contribute, right? So, so even if the person, you know, they said we only want you to, like, we want to streamline this meeting, you would know inherently that that in order to prove to this leader that you were excited about something, that you had to come up with something to say. And it happens all the time, right? right? And so the leader will simultaneously, simultaneously say, we should have less meetings and not take so long. And, oh, by the way, show me, show me your passion. <laughs> and people yeah. will always err on the side that, that they try to make the leader happy. And we know that, that, that I'll just have something to say about every point. While we're here yeah. in the meeting, and so create, making sure that 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 you've got a, a space for people to do exactly what you did, right? Like this is why you take an unemployable like Adam and put him in an organization because you just made that organization more efficient and more effective. And some folks are not going to like that. You know, there's there's another way to get introverts, uh, introverted people, or maybe somebody who just don't have much to say, unprompted to participate more. And this is something that uh, was done by the leader of a mastermind I belonged to for many, many years. As I found it when I participated on the group mastermind calls, uh, the conference calls, it seemed like for some reason, every single time I would try and speak up, somebody mm -hmm. else would try and talk over me. So, I, and they would just start mm. talking like I wasn't even there. And, uh, and I was, and I, it got to a point where Finally, I said to somebody after about the 20th time 
and it seemed to happen to me. Every single time I tried to speak on this mastermind call, that somebody would just start talking when I was speaking, I would say, I would say, look, shut up, it's my turn. <laughs> because I, because I, because yes, I, you I, would. Needed, I, I needed a pattern interrupt, and I needed this to come very much to the attention of the person leading the mastermind. So he came up with an idea that is so brilliant in its simplicity and simple in its brilliance that solves the mm -hmm. entire problem and has, from my observation and me actually doing some, not exactly spreadsheets, but some rough tallies, uh, increased the engagement on his mastermind calls is mm -hmm. if you want to speak, you raise your hand like, they, like we did in class. So the so you use this instant teleseminar for his mastermind calls, and uh, you do the star two thing to raise your hand, and then he'll call on you uh, when it, when you when you come up in queue. Uh, you can do the same you can do the same thing with your meetings. You can actually have people raise their hand at a, at a designated time. If you don't raise your hand, that's okay. Maybe you uh, you just don't need the participation point today. Mm-hmm. Well, and I I mean very similar to that. One of the I think hidden challenges in a lot of organizations are actually um, people who are who are um, detached thinkers, right? So they 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 need a moment. Like everyone's having this conversation and they're in it and they're processing it, but they they just need a moment. Some people just don't think fast on their feet, right? And, and we tend right. to to look at that as maybe not being a leadership trait, but that's just that's a way that's one way that human beings think. And so for someone who, who is like that, if they have experience or is top of mind, they, they can be fast in there with you. But it may be until, you know, later tonight or an hour later when a response happens. Yes. And, and in a lot of organizations, that moment has passed and they have no way to contribute. And oftentimes they, they will just swallow it unless it's something that's massive. So creating ways for people to, to even kind of, come back into a conversation. So whether it's meeting minutes that allow people to respond with other ideas or 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 it may be recaps at the beginning of the next meeting to say, well, did, did anyone come up with anything between last time and now, right? So there are there, there's a surprising number of people that get left behind in in these, these types of meeting structures if they're not constructed well. And if you're not, if you are not paying attention, no, no one says that you've got to design your meetings for every type of person that may possibly show up. Right. But it doesn't take that many meetings for you to start to pick up on what's working, what's not working, and be responsive to that. Right. Now, we're talking about uh, bottlenecking, uh, the importance of pushback when necessary, and meetings and things like that. I'm going to reveal a little secret to anybody who's listening on this call who may be a prospect of mine uh, and maybe somebody who's already a client of mine uh, for my uh, for my uh, VIP and uh, titanium level coaching and consulting. Uh, when I get involved with the teams, one of the, the seeds I gently plant with them is to recognize why meetings are valuable and when they're not. So I had a very funny thing happen a few weeks ago where this one client of ours was in the middle of getting a, uh, an event launch so that the doors were open and emails were going out and people could start signing up for it. And the day before we uh, were to, or actually no, I think like two hours before the, uh, the thing was supposed to go live, uh, the organization leader said, let's have a meeting. 
And so what I did is I uh, very quickly and very quietly, because I have all these people on Skype, I said, guys, you saw the email. Do we need a meeting? And they all said no. So I said, guys, everybody, mm -hmm. each individually reply right now and say, we're in the middle of implementation. We don't have time for the meeting. And they all did it. And what happened? There was no meeting. Nice. Kind of hard to have a meeting when nobody's going to show up. So, well, so, <laughs> so, the, so the point, so the point of uh, emancipating the power for the team members was to recognize uh, the difference between activity and action. Meetings are activity. Mm -hmm. Action is something different in most cases, generally speaking, all things being equal, and five other cliched qualifiers. Uh, but when you're a day, but when you're a day away. When you're a day away from a big launch and uh, everybody has their marching orders and we're all in the process of getting our pieces done so that we can put it all together and make sure it's all lined up before the, before the big party tomorrow, uh, taking an hour out for a, for a, for a gab fest is just not going to play. Exactly. And it is, it is one of the kindest things that you can do for your team is to cancel meetings. Never yeah. in the history of ever has anyone said, boy, I'm really sorry we don't have that meeting today. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, actually, um, I, have, I have seen something kind of close to that where uh, mm -hmm. I, did, I did see a person uh, in a team setting once who uh, would try and steer the conversation to postpone an action until – after the next meeting, and so there, <laughs> so there I was, Mr. Unemployable, and I asked them to explain exactly what would be different in the world uh, after one more meeting. Not a thing. In that case, that was a willful substitution of activity for action so that mm -hmm. they could say, hey, we're doing it without actually having to do it. And unfortunately, that's what we see a lot of times with meetings. So I like short agendas, uh, I mean, which you can express in bullet points. I like the idea mm -hmm. that uh, folks uh, will each take their turn and pre-submit what they want to discuss if, they're, if they have a speaking role. And I like the idea that uh, we put structures in place to encourage participation in a way that uh, doesn't allow the entire thing to be dominated by one person who feels they have to respond to everything just so that they can be seen leading. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and I'm turn an hour meeting into a three-hour meeting, commenting on why everything was said. Well, exactly, and you know, and I, I'm a big believer in, in you know in rolling back and really understanding what the purpose of the meeting is. Like once you get double double clear on that, you'll be able to see your way forward. Right, and and, and meetings meeting should be one of the tools that you use to get things done. Just one of them. Like my my, my favorite is always the the meetings that could have been done by email. Like that is like yeah. by far you want to just make people upset. The number of things like if it's, if it really is update and no debate, send the update. Yeah. <laughs> don't I don't even have the meeting. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah, all, all agreed. So um, just uh, as we wrap up here, because believe it or not, we only have four minutes left. Um, I just wanted to, oh, wow. to check and see. 
I, I know this time flew by. Uh, and in a roundabout way, we dropped some nuggets of wisdom for people to consider in terms of making their team exceptional. A lot of times mm-hmm. it's the little things. So for those of you who tuned in thinking that we were going to draw the grand blueprints, sometimes it's not about the blueprint. Sometimes it's about the details. So look to see how some of these little details may be putting big breaks on what you're doing to move your company forward. So any final thoughts you have, Tara, on uh, – moving past good to great, and making your team exceptional? Surprise. The, the last one is, to, is we've talked all around this in elements, but really culture is, is killer these yes. days, right? Yes. It is the difference between winners and losers in a lot of spaces. And so one of, I think one of the mistakes that people sometimes will make is they'll say, I want a culture to be this way, and then they, then they, buy, the, they buy the ping pong table, and all that, but don't look at how some of the, the, the way work gets done translates to the, the, the culture you want to create. So if you say you want a collaborative culture, then what, you know, how are the ways that work is done where people collaborate and how do you reward that, you know, either, either financially or even with, with praise, right? So just yeah. be, being in alignment with the, you know, start with your, with your, your cultural values and, your, and the norms that you want and then let your operations speak to that, right? So yeah. I, I was actually actually working with a young man um, doing a big music festival in in uh, in Russia, and you know, right. if 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 energy is one of the things that that you believe in for your culture, what is the energetic way to do security at at this function? What does parking look like from an energetic perspective? It sounds ridiculous, but I guarantee you that your customers. They will. They they can see when the things that you say that you believe in, and the way that it, it plays out in in operations and behavior, they can tell the difference, and so can your employees. Yeah. Last tip. Yeah, that's that, Yeah, that's very true. And uh, you know, culture in itself is a separate topic. We may have to have you mm-hmm. back sometime and have a conversation on that. But when you identify what your culture is and what its goals are, you can look at things like how we run the meetings. Uh, is just one mm-hmm. example. Uh, and how we encourage people to bring their brilliance and passion to the fore and check against the values and see, are we in alignment with these values? And if not, make the appropriate course correction. So it's sort of like a map we can follow. Now, we are right at at the top here. Uh, We have two minutes left, and I want to give about 45 seconds of those to you, Tara. So somebody wants to uh, take this to the next step. Uh, They're hanging on the edge of their seat, wanting to take action. What do they, you know, how do you serve business creators and what can we look forward to from you? Man, so please, first and foremost, please get connected. I love these types of conversations and social media is the best way to do it with people that are living right here in my house. So follow me at at Tara Winston on Twitter. I'm Tara Winston on Facebook. I'm really not that creative when it comes to my name online. (laughs) Um, come Come to my website at Interactions. We've got, we've got things that can support you. You know, I believe in creating the kinds of teams, the kinds of leaders that can win. And so we've got individual coaching. We've got team building. We've got training, all types of things to, to support you on your journey to winning. Absolutely. So, Tara Winston, thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, what, what, what's your website? In, interactions.com, I-N-T-E-R-R-A-C-T-I-O-N-S. I love it. I love it. So, uh, again, Tara, thank you very much for being with us. It's been an honor and an education.
Oh, well, thank you. I love being here. All right. For everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and tune in every week for fresh new episodes. We help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.